Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, this Clinton-Jeffrey Epstein story is like a postulating wound that that never goes away. And the story is getting worse and worse and worse. Clinton-Jeffrey Epstein story, what's that? Well, if you're a regular listener to the show for the last five years, you know I had a, a source on this, an unimpeachable one, by the way, that had some really devastating information. Well, now there's been a new break in this story, new allegations, according to Radar Online, of Clinton insiders now starting to talk. I got that. That'll come a little later in the show today. I've also got to do a really sad segment. Don't worry, we'll end the show on a high note, but it's more of a warning. What's the difference between the United States and China when it comes to totalitarianism and communism? You may be like, oh my gosh, Dan, that's a really crazy question. Surely, surely the United States is not going down the same path of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, that really? Are you sure about that? Wait till I show you these stories today. I'm going to show you headlines. What do you got, Key? Like six subsets of story, three subsets, four subsets of stories. I'm going to show you a headline about China and then a headline about the United States. It's the same headline. Weird how that works, huh? Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. You have the right to privacy. Defend your right to privacy today. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this fine Friday. Let's get right to it. It is a loaded show today. I want to do a big thank you, too, in the middle of the show. We got nominated. I didn't tell Joe this yet. Pretend you're not there, Joe. We got nominated for some award. Best political podcast. Crazy time. That, too. Don't. This is the one time I'm going to tell people, please don't vote for me for this award. It'll make sense later. As I said, today's show brought to you by our friends at ExpressVPN. I've been talking about them for months. Why? Because if you don't have a VPN, you may have thought, hey, this is America. We have free speech and privacy laws. And so you hesitated getting one. Perhaps you believe the Congress wouldn't allow big tech to censor and spy on you. I'm sorry you felt that way. Folks, it's time to act. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this, with the Democrats in charge of government and your liberty under attack from everywhere, there's never been a more important time to protect your digital rights and privacy. That's why I choose and my listeners choose to secure our online data and activity using ExpressVPN. You believe a VPN isn't for you because you can use the internet just fine with that one? That is not true. Big tech is taking control over our digital lives. Protect yourself. You confused how it works? ExpressVPN's an app. For computers and smartphones that encrypts your network data and reroutes it to a secure server. Means you can use the internet anonymously without having your activity tracked. Do you think VPNs are complex and only for tech tech experts? Take it from me. They're not. I'm not a tech expert. I use it. No problem. With ExpressVPN, you launch the app, tap just one button on your phone or your computer to protect yourself. It's really that simple. I trust ExpressVPN to protect my online data. Why? Because they're number one and they stand for my values. They're rated number one, literally. Now is the time for you to take a stand. Take back your privacy at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Get an extra three months free. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino right now. All right, Joe, let's go. Now, before we start, of course, yes. it is Friday. Yes. have been doing it forever. I'm yeah. in a particularly good mood today. So, Joe, if you would give us a new worst 1960s game show voice. Well, your, Dan. Uh, weekly Friday intro. It's Friday! <laughs> wow, that was a little, uh, <laughs> even for Joe, that was very 1960s well, game show voice. Right, very impressive, brother. Joe. Joe's feeling good today. <laughs> I, everybody's feeling good. You know, it's a good, the tide is starting to turn for uh, Bongino Inc. With a rough couple, rough couple months, things are looking good. All right, let me get to this uh, absolutely ridiculous fail. Uh, we're going to talk about this China versus the United States story here because this is really important. Again, you may think to yourself, like, we live in the United States, the freest country in the world. What are we worried about? We're not like the Chinese Communist Party. Um, you sure about that? Well, here's this fail, this absolute fail. I caught this story this morning on Fulcrum, the Fulcrum.com or whatever. The article's titled Report. U.S. contributes to ongoing decline of freedom worldwide. They're not wrong. 
That is absolutely correct. Your freedom is dissolving like an Alka-Seltzer tablet in water. So you may say, well, Dan, what's the ridiculous fail by the fulcrum? The fact that they get the reason totally wrong. Quote, this is by this, this is uh, not the fulcrum, but they're quoting a study by Freedom House. It says, quote, only a serious and sustained reform effort can repair the damage done during the Trump era? To the perception and reality of basic rights and freedoms in the United States, the report by this Freedom House concluded. Sorry, I'm going to niche there. Um, Trump did this? Really? You know, ladies and gentlemen, we are losing freedoms. But it has absolutely nothing to do with Donald Trump. Last time I checked, Joe, it was Donald Trump whose freedom was taken away. Freedom to sell his products with Salesforce. Freedom to payment process on their website by getting uh, deplatformed by Stripe, being deplatformed and taken off Twitter, deplatformed and taken off Instagram, deplatformed and taken off Facebook. Is it really Donald Trump who's the one taking away freedoms? Or is Donald Trump a recipient of the Bohica from the freedom takers? It's not Donald Trump taking away your freedoms. The report's right. The conclusions are absurd. It's the big tech liberal, big business, Venom, Eddie Brock symbiote that's doing all the hard work. Amen. Dan, don't be so dramatic, right? Come on. We're surely not going down the Chinese Communist Party's path of diminishing individual liberty. Not us. I mean, we're liberals in the United States. We're all about civil liberties, right? (laughs) That's hilarious. Let's do a little comparison here of China versus the United States. Let's read. I want you to now. Here's how we're going to go through this. I want to read these headlines and in some cases, little screenshots from the pieces. And then I'm going to put up another headline. We're going to do China first and then the United States second. And you'll notice one thing. The headlines sound one awfully similar. And if the headlines were reversed, in other words, one story was about the U.S., the other story was about China, and then they were reversed. It would sound still like the same story. So here's number one here. This will be in the show notes today. If you want to access our newsletter show notes, go to Bongino.com slash newsletter. It's free. Please subscribe. Foxnews.com. What is China's social credit system? Bradford Betts published May 3rd. China has a social scoring blacklist, Joe. Gosh, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? Here's what it is. China's social credit system is a government program being implemented nationwide to regulate its citizens' behavior based on a point system. Huh? Under the system, citizens are ranked in different areas of civil life using data collected from court documents, government or corporate records, and in some cases, citizen observers. That sounds very, very bad. I don't think if I was a liberty-loving patriot, I would really like that. A social scoring system where China, the Communist Party, can blacklist people if they don't meet certain metrics from the government spying on them. Court documents, you got a traffic ticket in China, you lose 10 points in your scoring system. You post it on Chinese social media, something criticizing your local government officials, that's minus 10. Joe, citizen observers Ah. said Joe Armacost, he sounds like a dissident. I don't like this guy talking and speaking out against communism and socialism. Hmm. Ten more points gone from Joe. All of a sudden, Joe's at a negative 30. Joe can't get a car loan in China. Joe can't buy stocks in China. Joe can't get a job in China because of a social scoring system. That's definitely not happening in the United States, Joe. Is it? Because here's a Wall Street Journal article I thought was just fascinating. This is from February 9th, 2021. Providing timely ESG information is becoming more crucial for CFOs. Analysts and investors rely on data when evaluating a company's outlook and creditworthiness. An ESG score? Wait, wait, is this a story about China's social credit scoring? No, no, this is a story about the United States and businesses doing the exact same thing. (laughs) You doubt me? From the Wall Street Journal story. They call these ESG scores, sustainability environmental scores, ESG scores for companies. Companies are doing what the Chinese Communist Party does for them. They don't need the Chinese Communist Party from the Wall Street Journal. 
Providing frequent updates about the sustainability of their businesses is becoming more crucial for finance chiefs as analysts and investors increasingly rely on this information when evaluating a company's outlook and its creditworthiness. Here's the key line coming up next. Pay attention to the yet here. Not the Yeti, the yet. This is not a search for the abominable snowman. Pay attention to the word yet. There aren't yet sweeping global regulatory frameworks that force swaths of companies to report their performance in terms of these ESG scores. Though certain exchanges, Joe, and governments are making ESG disclosures mandatory. But even without widespread regulation, there's an incentives for executives to, to disclose this data. <laughs> Dude. Ah, liberals. Yeah, we're not anything like China. Social scores and blacklists for people. Yeah, we're doing the same thing here with these ESG scores for companies. That's different. That's different. It's the free market doing it. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, That's, that sounds great. Free market that's more powerful, by the way, than the Chinese government in some respects. Nah, we're nothing like China. All right, Dan. So there's a scoring, scoring system, dreaded air quotes, for the citizens that we're taking the Chinese model and implementing it here in the United States for businesses. But it's really not that bad. Don't exaggerate this one case. Oh, no, no, I don't only, I never, ever produce receipts on just one case. You need multiple pieces of evidence, right? That's how you build the case. So let's compare China versus the U.S. in the second segment, too. So here's an article in The Atlantic about the Chinese surveillance state, how they spy on their citizens. The Atlantic, China's surveillance state should scare everyone. The country is perfecting a vast network of digital espionage as a means of social control with implications for democracies worldwide. That sounds really scary. Surely we're not doing that here. <laughs> Sorry, wrong show if you thought I wasn't going to produce evidence that we're doing that here too in conjunction with our big tech, liberal, big business overlords, the Eddie Brock Venom symbiote. It's all a big symbiote. They can't exist without one another. Article we discussed the other day by the great Alan Bakari at Breitbart, who's been all over this topic. Microsoft and friends want to destroy online privacy. Huh? They want to spy on you. On, kind of, online kind of sounds like what the Chinese Communist Party is doing to its citizens now. We don't need the Chinese Communist Party here. We've got the big tech, liberal, big business, Eddie Brock Venom symbiote. From uh, Bakari's piece. Remember this gem from the other day? And by gem, I mean piece of coal. According to Microsoft's press release, it's partnered with several other organizations to form the Coalition for Content Provenance and Authenticity, the C2PA. Put simply, the purpose of this organization is to devise a system whereby all, 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 all content on the internet can be traced back to its author. You mean like surveillance? The press release states it will develop these specifications for common asset types and formats, meaning videos, documents, audio, and images. Thought you'd be able to go online and not have the government and the big tech government, big business symbiote spy on you. <laughs> you were wrong. Come on, Dan. Those are just two examples. Of the surveillance state in China versus the surveillance state in the United States. Chinese social scoring blacklist system. You get a score versus the U.S. doing the same thing to businesses. But I'm still not worried because I'm a liberal and I've got a skull six feet thick and facts don't really penetrate. It's like a lead blanket for an x-ray. You're going to have to show me something else. Okay, I will. Don't worry. That's what I'm here for. Here's an online outlet called Quartz. Quartz reporting on NGOs and basically charities as well under threat in China's latest crackdown against foreign forces. So what is China doing? Well, from this Quartz piece, they're cracking down China on charities and NGO non-governmental organizations and that kind of stuff. A new law targeting foreign NGOs is effective as of January 1st, requires groups to submit themselves to greater government control if they want to continue working in China. They must find government sponsors, register with the police, and submit annual reports on their financing, among other requirements. Ooh, that sounds bad. China cracking down on charities and 
NGOs, non-governmental organizations, making them register with the government, surveilling them. I don't know, Joe, but that sounds really terrible. Yeah. Combine it with the surveillance state and the social scoring system we're implementing here in the United States, copying in many cases the big business, big tech, uh, liberal, uh, th th their golden calf of China, copying them, worshiping them, uh, ooh, chanting at the foot of the Chinese Communist Party, golden calf. Don't worry, LeBron James said it's okay. LeBron James said it's okay. You got to chant when you worship China, like the liberals. You need that chant. But what was the Raiders of the Lost Ark chant? I always get to remember in the desert where they're digging and they're looking yeah. for the ark and they're all chanting. Gosh, I always forget how that goes. How is it? I chanted it one mm -hmm. time on the show, remember? Yeah, We're you We're going to have to go with the generic. Ago. Remember that? Mm -hmm. The generic. Um, um, where the, the liberals kneel before their Chinese gods, small G and overlords. Wow, you guys got a cool social scoring system to spy on people and give them a score? How do we do that here? You're surveilling your citizens online? How do we do that? You're cracking down on charities and NGOs? How do we do that too? Well, Philip Stutz has the answer at this article at The Federalist. Big tech censorship is now hitting completely non-political businesses and non-profits. This is not a joke. Oh. This is not a joke. These are real headlines. These are real headlines. So our liberal overlords who worship the golden calf of China, the Chinese Communist Party, they love because they're communists themselves. They, they are our liberal overlords. They love communism and socialism and authoritarianism. The radical left loves fascism like Antifa, which is a pro-fascist group despite their name. They emulate their tactics. China's cracking down on charities and NGOs. How do we do that here? Go to our big business, big tech overlords too. They'll help us out. But nothing to worry about, libs. You're the useful idiots you've always been. By the way, I'm not, I shouldn't talk about how I'm going to end the show today because it's, a, it's important. But do not miss the end of the show, please. Even if you've got to run, I don't care if you have to fast forward to the end. I'm going to leave you with two powerful quotes from one of the greatest thinkers of our time, Lord rest his soul, Solzhenitsyn, who actually lived through the gulag Soviet era and tried to warn America, spent his entire rest of his life before he died trying to warn America about useful idiots and what's ahead. I'm going to end the show today with two powerful, must-listen-to quotes. All right. I got more. You think, well, surveillance state, social scoring, targeting charities. That's kind of scary, Dan, but I'm a liberal. Again, my skull's quite thick. So I'm still not convinced that we are approaching the useful idiot totalitarian and fascism communism turf because I'm a liberal and evidence doesn't matter to me. Don't worry. I've got more on the other side of this. Let me get to my second sponsor before that. Our friends at The Daily Wire. The authoritarian Hollywood left has struck again, canceling the great, and I do mean the great Gina Carano, from her role on The Mandalorian. For doing what? For offending their delicate sensibilities and liberal views. As conservative values and beliefs continue to come under attack by Hollywood cancel culture, The Daily Wire has been acquiring talent to their entertainment division. That's right. The Daily Wire had just announced, this, this was huge, by the way, folks, huge. They were developing, Gina Carano will develop, produce, and star in an upcoming film that will be released exclusively to Daily Wire members. I'm all over that. In Gina's words, quote, I'm sending out a direct message of hope to everyone living in fear of cancellation by the totalitarian mob. By the way, Gee, could there be a better read for this? We didn't even plan it this way. <laughs> Seriously, could there be a better read for this moment? Back to Gina Carano's quote. I've only just begun using my voice, which is now freer than ever, and I hope it inspires others to do the same. They can't cancel us us if we don't let them. Amen, Sister Gina. Fight back against mainstream media's double standards. A membership to Daily Wire gets you access to some of the country's leading sources and news, conservative commentary, and unfiltered entertainment. Not a member? Go today. You don't want to miss this Gina Carano movie or Run, Hide, Fight, their other movie, which is terrific, too. Go to dailywire.com 
Use promo code Dan, D-A-N, and save 25%. Don't wait another minute. Dailywire.com. Use promo code Dan. And everybody should thank Gina Carano for standing up against these totalitarian tyrants, the golden calf lover worshipers on the left. So you say to yourself again, gosh, social scoring. All right, so we're replicating that in the United States. That's really bad, but I'm still not convinced. Surveillance state, we're replicating that with big tech. I'm a little more worried. Targeting charities and NGOs. That sounds a little terrifying, but again, I'm a liberal. I don't really get it yet. I need more evidence. Don't worry, I'm here for you. Here's a report from the BBC. Hong Kong's new security law, Joe. Pro-democracy books are being pulled from libraries. Oh, my gosh. Book burning and banning. That's definitely deaf not happening here, Joe. Don't worry. We're only social scoring, spying, and targeting charities. But other than that, we're (laughs) A-OK. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Here's a story at the New York Post. Again, you'll find in the show notes, bongino.com slash newsletter. Amazon turns from bookseller to censor by dropping transgenderism book and many others, by the way. Don't worry, we're not doing any of this here. Are we missing um, the warning signs? When I say we, I don't mean any of the smart people listen to my show. I mean the stupid people, the liberals like Media Matters who watch my show every day for material. Are you missing this? I'm not kidding. It's not a joke. I know I just insulted you. so And I shouldn't have because then you'll tune out automatically, understandably so. If you call someone an idiot or a moron, they're probably not listening to what you say next. So I'm sorry. I'm just passionate about this and I can't believe you're this stupid. Are you missing this? I know I, I understand what your comeback is because your tired arguments are getting old. Oh, Dan, come on. This is just private companies doing it. You guys are capitalists, right? Ladies and gentlemen, number one, it's not just private companies doing it. Number one, it is government incentivizing private companies to do it because they can't do it themselves because of this thing called the Bill of Rights. No, Dan, government's not doing that. Really? Did you read AOC's tweets, Ro Khanna's tweets about wiping Parler off the face of the earth and having them banned from Amazon? Did you read those? Have you read the letters sent from those two Democratic congressmen uh, and, and one congresswoman and one congressman from California, two Democrat liberal nuts who sent a letter to cable carriers asking them why they were carrying Fox News, OANN and Newsmax? Did you miss that? Oh, you, you missed that. You just you, you didn't you didn't see that? So that's number one. It's not just private companies doing it. It's government demanding private companies do it with a wink and a nod. Be a real shame if your place burned down, huh? And secondly, even more pernicious, these companies are more powerful than the government. They are a de facto government. At least with the government, if they do something to you that doesn't comport with the Constitution, what can you do, Joe? You can sue and take them to court. Yeah. Good luck taking these companies to court with your local lawyer who's probably a great guy, but he's going up against a $10 million, $20 million white shoe law firm per year retainer, Amazon lawyer, who's going to eat your lunch. This ain't Matlock, folks. It's not Aaron Brockovich. That stuff doesn't happen a lot. Believe me, I've been on the wrong side of it. Let me give a hat tip to Raheem Kassam, who writes over at the National Pulse. And has his own show, another excellent show, uh, War Room. Raheem Kassan, I, I saw it said something yesterday. It really struck me. It's a serious question. I'd like you to consider it. Where is this book burning in the name of a higher morality? No, we're doing this for you. We're burning books, banning books, spying on you, spying on companies, social scoring them, attacking charities that don't agree with our cause. Where has that ever ended well? Where have people who done that ever ended up? I think Raheem said, where have they ever ended up being the good guys? Brilliant. Very smart. Where? Where have the book burners ever in human history ever ended up being the good guys? So do our media matters friends, not really, but who watch our show every day for content, who are the useful idiots of the totalitarians. I just like you to consider that. 
Where have the book burners and the allies of the book burners ever ended being the good guys, ever ended up being the good guys in the end? You're looking at a dystopia, not a utopia. And you are, by definition, the useful idiots if you're the one advancing this cause, this cause of anti-civil liberties. Let me leave you with the scariest story. It is Friday, Joe, so we don't want to bury people in bad news. Right. We got the natural ups and downs of vicissitudes of emotion, hills and valleys, peaks and mountains, troughs and I don't know. I can't think of other words, but you get the point. My vocabulary just ran out of its limit, just hit its limitation. <laughs> but this is the most scary story, the most frightening story of all. It's China versus the U.S. comparison. Told you, we got a story of China and you got a headline exactly like it in the United States. <laughs> New York Post. China makes COVID-19 anal swabs <laughs> mandatory <laughs> for foreigners by Jackie Salo at the New York Post. I'm just kidding. There is no American story for this one. I just wanted to leave you. Kenny Bell. I just wanted to leave you with some good news. This is the one story where there is not yet. Guy brought up a good point before the show, show, Joe. He says, Dan, don't do this story because you might give them ideas. Liberals will be demanding this next. Anal swabs for everybody coming into the United States. Guy's like, be careful. You may This show may be dated by Monday where liberals watch it. They go, well, we already copied social scoring, attacking charities, a surveillance state, and burning books. How about the anal swabs too? Why not? It's a good point, Guy. But if folks, I know some of you <laughs> listen to the show on delay. If you're listening to this on Monday and there's a story about the U.S. demanding anal swabs for foreign visitors to the United States, just know this. We recorded it on Friday. I'm very sorry. And Guy was on your side. Joe's the audience ombudsman. Hey. He's been forever. But in this specific case, Joe, if you will relinquish your title, uh -huh. Guy will be the audience ombudsman on this issue only. Both we'll up. have to put a legal disclaimer right at ahead. the end of Joe's ombudsman contract. I know he's okay with that. I'll have I'll have you sign today. <laughs> we'll do the auto sign digital. We just do it online. Guy, on this issue of foreigners and anal swabs in the United States, is your advocate, audience. He knows what you're saying. Dan, please don't cover this. You'll give them ideas. Guy is with you, folks. He is your ombudsman. He warned me this morning. I just want that. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. These are such serious topics, but I can't, I, you know what I do with this show. Well, up and down, all we gotta just, I can't bury you in the depths of despair all the time. Here's a little bit of more, a little bit. Gosh, speak in coherent English, brother Dan. A little bit of more. What is that? You know, I took a course once when I was younger. I'm not kidding. I've always been interested in making myself better, self-fulfillment. Not a joke. I took this course. It used to be audio cassettes. Remember when you had audio cassettes in your car, Joe? Yeah, and that man. was technology. Remember? Yeah. We got audio cassettes after records. We were like, man, what a deal. <laughs> Kids were like, what the hell's an audio yeah. cassette? Mm -hmm. I took this course once. I used to have a long commute when I was with the NYPD back to Lindbrook, Long Island. And now from the precinct I was at, not that long, but long enough. And I took this course called Verbal Advantage. And uh, it would be these tapes and they would teach you these vocabulary yeah. words and how to use them. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was really cool. I, you know, I, I was always, uh, as a young man, admired people who could speak fluently and eloquently in front of groups of people. I always thought it was really fantastic. Um, I just want to do a thank you quick. This is serious, not a joke. Uh, Joe, I didn't tell you about this. So I got an alert yesterday uh, from uh, one of these search engines. That uh, I saw this article by James Hale at Tube Filter, the Podcast Academy. Apparently, this is a real thing. The Podcast Academy unveils 164 nominees for their first annual Ambie Awards. The Ambies, I guess, are I don't know the Emmys for podcasts. I, uh, folks, I'm just being mm. straight with you. I've never heard of this in my Me life. Huh, look at this best political podcast, the Dan Bongino Show. How the hell is that? Here are the other nominees. Burn the Boats, Gaining Ground, Our Nation of Immigrants, Politically Reactive, the NPR Politics Podcast, Winning Wisconsin, and Guy was kind enough to highlight it, the Dan Bongino Show. How we got in there, folks, I have no idea. But just a quick segment before I get back to the meat and potatoes of the show and this devastating Clinton story. But meat and potatoes here. I'm To the folks at the Podcast Academy and the Ambies, do not vote for me. I'm not kidding. You will get doxxed you'll wind you'll find yourself in an episode of the of, of of the dangerous game hunted down by some russian aristocrat somewhere your lives will never be the same 
That was very nice of you to nominate me. But Joe and Guy, I think you're sick of this. Don't vote for me. They will, your life will be over. The liberal cancel culture, uh, golden calf, worshipers of Chinese communism will follow you, hunt you down like dogs. You will be fired. Your bank accounts will be closed. Do not vote for me. I don't want to get one vote. I don't know how many members of the academy there are. 152.6. I don't know. Don't vote. I want it to be zero. I don't want any vote. I love you. Thank you. I am honored you nominated me. Never make this mistake again. Your lives will, will be over as you know them if you vote for the Dan Bongino show. This is the one time in human history a recipient of a pretty, that's pretty nice, a podcast game, is begging you, don't vote for me. Don't vote. It's a very nice gesture. I, I can't reach my chest. Don't vote for me. I, 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 please. It's, 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 it's me, not you. You know, when you break up, it's me, not you. It's me, not you. Don't do it. Glad you love the show. Interesting, <laughs> huh? Mm. They'll get doxxed. Their phone numbers will be online. Do not vote for me. And this is not me. Like, you know, when you work the refs, and you say, ah, you know, I don't want to win. This. I'll never win this. It's all liberals. And you wink at a nod. You work in the refs. It's not me working the refs. Seriously, I cannot win this. I, what was Lyndon Johnson, Joe? Uh, I am not running for president. If nominated, I will not accept. If I win, I will not serve. If I win, I will not accept. I will not accept. I will not accept. I, don't, don't vote for me. Okay, enough. enough. I'll beat that thing to that. <laughs> You know, I get lost in these things. All right. And the other side is I want to get this radar online story. Very serious story. It, it alleges that one of the Clinton insiders, a guy I knew pretty well, is talking Bill Clinton insiders. And it ain't good. And ain't is a word in this case. All right. Our final sponsor today of the day. Oh, my gosh. Will you please speak English today? This is really annoying. Like my vocabulary went down the tubes. Today's show brought to you by GenuCell. Dry, irritated, red, blotchy skin all over your face that won't go away. What about stress breakouts and uneven skin tone? You don't like that either, do you? All gone thanks to Zotique, deep correcting serum, a serum by our friends at Chamonix. Here is Catherine from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Quote, I'm a doctor on the front lines of the COVID pandemic. The endless face mask wearing ruined my face. Use several other products without success until Chamonix. The promises are real. Very quickly, my face seems on the mend. These products have started healing the mask creases. Thank you. So Teak uses the power of liposomal technology to get the healing, rejuvenating powers of vitamin C to the deepest layers of your skin for results you can see. Yours free today with your order of GenuCell for bags and puffiness. You got to get rid of those. Visit GenuCell.com and enter the code DAN40. That's DAN40 at checkout for an extra special discount. That's GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. Order today. Get the classic GenuCell jawline treatment and luxurious GenuCell XV anti-wrinkle moisturizer free with your order. A favorite of my mother-in-law. Every order is upgraded to free priority shipping. Don't wait. Order now. GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. Dot com. All right, back to the show. I saw this story uh, creep up this morning and I thought, here we go again. I warned you. I've said this for a long time. And of course, the liberal media people who always want to protect the Clintons were like, that's a conspiracy theory when Dan Bongino says it. And then the story breaks in another outlet that's not conservative. And all of a sudden, all those um, Dan Bongino is a conspiracy theorist stories go away. They love that. That's their thing. That's their go-to. Radar Online. Read this story in the show notes. Check it out. Bill Clinton, quote, bag man, Doug Band, provides evidence to feds investigating ties to Jeffrey Epstein, Madam, Ghislaine Maxwell by Chris Spargo, March 4th, 2021. Whoa. Ooh. What? Sounds kind of like a serious story to me. A little bit of background on this, folks. Doug Band is Bill Clinton's guy. I mean, his dude, like right-hand dude. If anyone who knows the Clinton ecosystem, sphere, 
You don't know Bill Clinton if you don't know Doug Band. Doug Band is the gatekeeper to Bill Clinton in many respects. If the allegations in this story are true, that Doug Band is talking to the feds about Bill Clinton's role in the Jeffrey Epstein disgrace, Bill Clinton's going to have a big problem, Joe. Now, mm. poor Joe's heard this story a thousand times, but nice. some of our new listeners, our show grows quite rapidly, so people who are here this week may not have even been here last week. Yeah. Our older listeners, <laughs> Joe's like, I, Joe can tell the story himself. <laughs> I had a source a long time ago contact us in our old studio when I was over living in Palm City, Florida, which I'm not anymore. Thank you to everyone who sends stuff, but that is not my house. The poor person who lives there gets overwhelmed with mail for Dan Bongino. But when we were in the old studio, I had a source contact me, an unimpeachable source. Trust me. This is not some uh, ridiculous looking for fame. Matter of fact, he's not looking for, doesn't even want to be in the media at all. The source contacted me and told me this story. So this source was on the plane with Jeffrey Epstein, now deceased. And you know Jeffrey Jeffrey Epstein's disgusting history uh, with young women and what he did. Everyone knows the story, right? And it's kind of a family-friendly show, so I'm really hesitant to even discuss the story. But this source was on the plane with Bill Clinton and Epstein. He's very uncomfortable right away because the women on the plane look underage. Obviously, he's not carding them like, hey, what's your, but they look underage. He's not sure what they're doing there. Keep in mind, it's getting this guy's head. The story about Epstein hadn't broken yet. This is years ago. He had no idea who this guy was. So, Joe, you walk on a plane, you're with former President Bill Clinton and this guy, Jeffrey Epstein, you've never met. You have no idea who he is. And you're like, I don't know, are these his daughters, his daughter's friends? Like, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know. I want mm-hmm. you to keep that in mind. Yeah. So he gets on the plane and he notices right away that these probably aren't this guy's daughters. And they're definitely not his daughter's friends. And he's like, this is really, really weird. Now, this guy's a really morally upstanding dude. So he's like, I'm not really cool with that. He tells me he notices Clinton, Bill Clinton, get up. And there's like a back room area on this plane Mm -hmm. and goes back there with a woman or I shouldn't even say it because it wasn't a woman. I mean, a girl is more appropriate who looks underage, very underage and goes back there with her and comes out like, I don't know, an hour later or something. He is like, no, 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 no. I don't know what happened back there, but I'm not going to be part of this thing. And, you know, he does a report on it. It does, And he winds up getting, let's just say, removed or something. Now, I've told this story a few times. I've also said to you, you, why don't we get this guy out there? Because it's not my information to share. I wasn't there. It's his. I don't have any more details. They're his. I wasn't there. I've told that story probably, I don't know, five, ten times on the show. And it's amazing how, again, Liberal leftists and others just completely ignore it as if I'm making it up, as if I haven't been right about just about everything. Spygate, the impeachment hoax. I burn the media on just about everything and they just ignore it. Is Doug Band talking? Because if Doug Band is talking, I'm telling you, Clinton's right-hand guy. And Bill Clinton's going to have a lot of problems. We'll see what happens. A lot of problems. Again, that's information from a source, unimpeachable. All right, another quick story before we get to this. I ran into a guy yesterday, by the way, super nice guy. It was uh, back at, you know, I'm always back at the doctor like every day. Things are good. Don't worry. Things are looking really good today. I should have a serious update by Monday, but things are looking good. Finally, all your prayers have mattered. But guy says to me yesterday in the cancer clinic, he said, I love your show, man. I love that thing on negative interest rates. I got a quick block on that coming up. I just wanted to hit this first because growing up in New York City, this was a huge deal, especially having been a police officer later. Um, When I was younger, I was a bit of a hooligan. I know Joe was too. Um, I don't mean like criminal like hooligan, but teetering on the line, you know what I mean? You know, trouble kind of stuff like that. Yeah, little things like that. Um, So when I was young in New York, Graffiti was a big thing. 
We used to call it like paint, you know, like, hey, let's go paint tonight. You know, it made it sound cool. Paint. It was bad. Graffiti's bad. Don't do it. It's really bad. And it's a blight on society. New York City, when I grew up, was covered in graffiti everywhere. And I'm telling you, some of the graffiti artists were had like rock star like fame. I'm not joking. Listen, it's criminal. Seriously, don't it, it, it's 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 going to ruin your entire city. But I'm just telling you my lived lived experience. I sound like a leftist, but living through these guys were like rock stars growing up. There was this guy, um, Deck D E K. That was his, you know, his his graffiti name. You know, he used to do tag or whatever. Deck. I mean, a guy was like a superhero in my neighborhood. I mean, these some of these guys, by the way, were bad guys. There was another guy too. He, you know, he. This other guy was really bad, like got implicated in an attempted murder later on. Not a joke. This other dude. But back then in the street, again, I'm not telling you we should admire hooligans, hooliganery. Is that even a word? I'm just telling you that growing up, these were the tough guys and their names were everywhere because they were spray painted all over trains in New York. The graffiti in New York on the roll down gates was out of control. There was not one gate left untouched in the neighborhood I grew up in in Glendale. And then Rudy Giuliani came into office. And Rudy Giuliani said, you know what? If your neighborhood looks like garbage, you're going to feel like garbage. And everybody kind of laughed and thought that was stupid. They're like, yeah, it's graffiti. It's New York. It's just, ah, it's the heart of the city, Joe. It's a beating heart of the city. It's just how we roll. We're a little dingy, you know? And Giuliani was like, nah, we're not doing that. You're going to paint that over. And if you don't paint it over, there may be fines for you because businesses just let it roll. I, I'm not suggesting that's the best approach. I'm just telling you that's kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, in like a year, the graffiti disappeared. And us young hooligans who were the graffiti artists out there, we got tired of doing the graffiti. Well, why? Because you couldn't get famous anymore. Because your name that was everywhere was painted over the next day. So people were like, well, what's the point of that? I'm going to go out and spend two, three hours doing a piece on a wall somewhere. And then the next morning, they're going to roll it over with white paint. That's what happened. And it just stopped almost overnight because there was no, quote, fame involved in it anymore. Hey, why don't you, Joe, you want to see my graffiti? You yeah, think man. I'm making this up? I can still, I'm going to, I'm going to do your name. In graffiti. You think I'm messing with you nah, folks? Cool. This, everybody, when I grew up, knew how to do graffiti. There were like wild styles and bubbles and all kinds of stuff. I'm going to do your name. I'm going to do this on the air, folks, in case you think I'm making this up. Here's Joe. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best graffiti. Let's see how much I remember here. Yeah. Here's Joe. This is interesting for me. I'm going to do a Joe name and kind of block bubbles here. See wow. if I... Man. Joe. All right. Urban fame, baby. Tell me what you think. Yes, sir. Hmm. I'm going to put a little money side at the end. Look at that. Look, the kid's still got a little bit. Yeah, what uh, do you think, Gee? That's not bad, right? I can do that. I'll do my own. Here you go. I'll do yeah. another. Here's the... Oh, no. That one didn't go... Here. I'll do... Here's a little tag, like a little mm -hmm. tag I used to do. Yeah. Here's Look the... Look at the bottom. Check that out. You like that? Dan, first thing. I still got it. The kid's still got the gift. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You like that? You didn't know I had that yeah. skill. No, I didn't. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. Man. Wait, I'm sorry. Let's do one more. Here we do. We'll do in a little... Yeah. My brother was a new graffiti too. He was huh. Ski. That was his tag name. Watch, I'll do a little Ski. Yeah. I'll do it in a different style, kind of like a semi-wild style. Background grunts and groans here. Yeah. Keep it going. You got yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ski. This is bad. This isn't too good, this my Ski. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you remember, dude. This is kind of semi-wild yeah. stuff. Yeah, ski up top. A little right. rough. You need to connect it a little more. But I did it on the air. Not too bad, though. Right, and my brother was ski. But that was the thing, man, back in the day. Uh -huh. And I was telling Guy before the show, we used to, not me, we used to steal spray paint. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I did not steal spray paint. But the local hardware stores had to lock the Krylon and the Rusto, the Rustoleum, yeah. because people would steal it, not me. No, seriously, I did not steal. I was not a stealer. But- Friends of mine did. And then we would replace the caps with different caps, like Lysol caps that would spray wide. Because when you're doing graffiti, you got to be quick. So you need a fine cap for the outline. Uh -huh. And then to fill it in, you want a wide cap to fill it in super quick. And he, 
I'm not messing with you. It was a big thing in New York. Why do I bring all this up in this long story? You're like, because the Daily Mail, here we go. The de Blasio era in the show notes today. Return of the Taggers. Guy was laughing about the Daily Mail. He's taking over for Paul, laughing about the extremely long headlines. Return of the Taggers. <laughs> New York is blighted with graffiti, leaving areas looking like war zones in echoes of the 80s as NYPD begins massive cleanup following 6,000 complaints. I told you. Graffiti's really bad. It ruined your whole city. When your city looks like, on a serious note, when it looks like garbage, you feel like garbage. And in the de Blasio era, where we had largely solved that problem, it's all back. All right. Lifting and shifting to a different story after my buddy inspired me yesterday at the cancer clinic. He's like, hey, that negative interest rates was really interesting. And I got the Solzhenitsyn quotes at the end, so please don't go anywhere. I'm good on time. We're good on time. Folks, I talked the other day about how we are spending so much money in the United States we don't have that we're not going to be able to pay it back. It's a mathematical almost certainty at this point that our 22, what, trillion? Is it even more now? $22 trillion debt. The entire economy only produces $20 trillion worth of stuff every year. That it, we're almost at the point where it's going to be mathematically impossible to pay back the United States government's debt. We have borrowed money from ourselves, U.S. government bonds. We have borrowed money from foreigners. China has trillions of dollars in U.S. assets. So does Japan. We've borrowed money from everyone, space aliens, everyone. We're never going to be able to, kidding, of course, no space aliens yet, but who knows? We're never going to be able to pay this back. So I said to you the other day that the Europeans have implemented negative interest rates for a reason. Negative interest rates, that's a thing? Yes, literally. Like you put money in the bank and if you leave it there long enough, Joe, what happens? You have no money left yeah. because it's not growing. It's shrinking. Liberals growing, shrinking, growing positive interest rates, shrinking negative interest rates. It's a simple math equation. You know, you'll never get to, to zero, right? That paradox because you'll split, 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 but you'll have almost no money left over time. Compounding negative interest. Why would governments do something like that? What does that have to do with our multi-trillion dollar debt and the fact that we'll never pay it back? Because with negative interest rates, your debt eventually goes to zero too as your currency is worthless because you implement negative interest rates. <laughs> what a deal. What a deal. It's called monetizing your debt. If you can make your currency worth less and less and less and less and less, then the debt you owe in that currency is worth less and less and less and less and less. But what's the catch? The currency you have in the bank is worth less and less and less and less and less. Now you see why liberals and their spendthrift, big government, big business allies love government spending and negative interest rates, which will be coming here if this continues. Well, why do they love it? Because of things like this. Again, in the show notes today, check out the story in the Epic Times by the great Zachary Stiber. I don't know Zachary, but I'm sure he's great. Senate advances Biden's $1.9 trillion relief package as Vice President Kamala Harris cast the tie-breaking vote. We owe $22 trillion. We are a trillion dollars in debt this year, and we're only in like March. In other words, we're spending a trillion more than we have, and it's only March. We only have a $4 trillion budget. We're already a trillion over or close to it. And where the Senate yesterday advanced, didn't it, it, they just said, you know, they haven't voted on it yet. It's got to pass the uh, filibuster. But they advanced it, a $1.9 trillion spending package after we're $22 trillion in debt and a trillion in debt this year. And you're telling me with a straight face that we're actually going to pay this off one day? <laughs> that's funny. That's really, that's as funny as the story about the deuce yesterday. Are you wearing the deuce? <laughs> I put that up on Facebook. Half the people loved it. Half the people hated the story, but loved that I thought it was funny. Half the people didn't hate the story. They didn't think the story about the deuce was funny, but they thought it was funny because I thought it was funny. And I was like melting down on the air. The other half thought it was the funniest thing ever. The deuce. Are you wearing the deuce? So $1.9 trillion, uh, trillion dollar spending package, despite the, despite the fact that we're $22 trillion in debt, and you are crazy enough to think we're ever going to pay this back? Negative interest rates coming our shore. That's never going to happen. Oh, 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 yes. Oh, Oh, yes. Liberals love negative interest rates. 
because they can spend money they don't have and never have to pay it back because negative interest rates means everyone's money goes down in value, including the money liberals owe to everyone else from spending money they don't have. You doubt me that this is eventually coming here? What better way to spend money you don't have, Joe, than to print it? Just print it. Who needs to borrow it? Just print it. Wall Street Journal from today. Fed Chair Powell confirms that the Fed is going to maintain easy money policies. Says the economy's far from employment and inflation goals, and he gives no sign the central bank would seek to stem the rise in treasury yields. Let me just translate that for you. We're going to keep printing the hell out of money. We're going to print it and print it and print it and print it until the money's worthless, the debt's worthless, your money's worthless, the country's economy's worthless. And why are we able to do that, by the way? Why are we able to do that? Because the United States dollar is the world's de facto currency. All right, Guy, you got to give me your serious opinion. Joe, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep like, you know, walling off, but but I need you on audience, the the master audience ombudsman. Guy is the apprentice audience ombudsman. I'm going to go, if this gets confusing, you got to stop me because I do got a teacher's union story I want to get to. But I just want to explain this quick. If If I go down a hole, you know how I can get into stories. You got to say, just stop. Just stop and throw the red flag. I just want to explain why. You may be saying that because you, Joe, Gee, Paula, probably listening in the other room. Actually, she's not. She's not even here today. You're probably saying, well, how can we keep doing this? How is it that the United States can just keep printing money? You know, if you did, it would be called counterfeiting. You know, move towards negative interest rates where we're taking people's money away every day. What Doesn't this eventually have to come to an end? How come we can do it and other countries are having problems with it? Because, folks, we are the de facto world currency. Oil, international international transactions, many, if not most of them, are denominated in U.S. dollars. What does that mean? That means countries have to borrow U.S. dollars to do business. If you're buying oil, you have to buy it in U.S. dollars. You can't buy it in kronas or anything else. You have to basically give the United States a free loan by doing the transaction in U.S. dollars. What does that mean? It means the whole world runs on U.S. dollars. So we get to print the hell out of them because there's really no penalty because we can monetize our debt. But that's not the case for the Argentinians. The Argentinians have the peso. So for the Argentinians to have to buy oil, they have to do it in dollars, which means what, Joe? They have to take their pesos and convert them to dollars. Oh, boy. The U.S. doesn't have to do that. Yeah. So if you're an Argentinian printing the hell out of your peso, your peso is worth less and less and less, which requires what? You to get more pesos to buy a U.S. dollar, to buy a barrel of oil. And you're like, oh, my gosh, that doesn't sound good. U.S. doesn't have that problem because we're the de facto world currency. So logically, you're saying, well, what's the problem? Here's the problem. It ain't going to be that way for long. Once people figure out we're in debt we can't possibly pay, who are they going to start looking to? China and others. And use the, the, the renminbi. And then what happens? Imagine we have to start converting U.S. dollars to Chinese currency to buy a barrel of oil. All of a sudden, that printing don't look so good. All right. How did you like Did you like that? What did you think? Was that okay, Joe? How do you feel yeah, about easy it? Easy peasy, man. Thank you, brother. I had to go back two nah. pages because there's so much material. We didn't even get. Look at this. My handwriting's terrible. I write like a doctor. I wish I thought like what? Be filthy rich. I didn't even get to this stuff yesterday. 53. All right, we're on good time here. The show's cut for terrestrial radio, so I can't just go on forever. Very serious story worth your time. An embarrassing, embarrassing new low for the now disgraced, the totally disgraced, some teachers' unions, not all of them. Some of them are starting to get it. I'm not kidding. Folks, let me just put a buyer beware, caveat emptor, asterisk in front of this. I am not talking about teachers in mass. I am not stereotyping you like liberals do to us. You do wonderful work. Thank God for America's teachers. I'm here because of good teachers. Love Miss Gilfeather. Miss Mastropolo was great too. Even though I don't think she liked me too much. It's still cool. Love you. I'm talking about the unions. And candidly, there are some bad teachers too. I wish there weren't. But most of them are really good people. But the teachers unions in many of America's big cities have totally, completely disgraced themselves now in the response to coronavirus. And, and before that, in many respects, as they 
just shellac minority students who can't get an education and they hold them down and keep them from going to charter schools. They've disgraced themselves. You don't believe me? Check out this video from a teacher's rep in Los Angeles from a union, basically saying that they're keeping kids out of schools and not teaching them, despite being paid by tax dollars to do so, because it's racism or something. Check this out. This is a recipe for propagating structural racism. Oh, <laughs> you rescued me there. I, well, inside, I didn't know the clip was that quick. Mm -hmm. That's why Joe gave the, um, he didn't want that air. Cause he's good. He's good like that. I really didn't know the clip ended that quick. Mm -hmm. You might've caught me like, lucky I wasn't like adjusting my watch or something. I didn't realize the clip was that quick. Is that Lucy barking back there? So teachers union rep, you know, we're not opening schools because of like structural racism or something. Uh, okay. Here's an article by the Wall Street Journal, a really good one by their editorial board. Teachers union privilege, playing the race card to avoid having returned to the classroom. So here's screenshot number one where they, they quote this woman shamefully, disgracefully um, mentioning racism as a reason to do that. That's uh, quite bizarre. Again, she quotes the state's push to reopen schools as a recipe for propagating structural racism. It's weird, Joe, because it's a lot of the rich white parents that are sending their kids to private schools while minority kids are getting no educational. It's really, really weird how that's yeah. a structural racism-y thingy or something like that. But of course, because this is a disgraced teachers union rep who has nowhere else to go because she doesn't want to work um, and teach your kids, God forbid they have to go back to everybody else is working in the pandemic. The hospital I was in, the hotel I stayed in, the Uber drivers. No, no, you don't have to work. I get it. No, no, you don't have to. You, we need extra super conditions before we go back. So screenshot number two is interesting, too, because the liberal, let me say it again, liberal for a third time, liberal, liberal governor of California, the disgraced Gavin Newsom, already gave the teachers unions pretty much everything they wanted, and they still don't want to teach your kids. Quote, California Governor Gavin Newsom and the Democrats in the legislature on Monday laid out a reopening plan that dangles $2 billion in grants to schools that open. Mr. Newsom had already prioritized teachers alongside seniors uh, for vaccines and allocated 10% of the supply for education workers. So a 27-year-old teacher who lives with her 60-year-old parents will be inoculated before they are. The liberal fourth-time governor of California already gave the teachers unions everything they want. And they were like, hey, double-barreled, we're still not teaching your kids. You can go pound sand. Here is where it gets tragically, tragically, this takes a turn for the, I mean, you want to talk about disgraced human beings here. Blaming racism for not teaching their kids. Quote, we are being unfairly targeted. These are the teachers union reps by people who are not experiencing this disease in the same way as students and families are in our communities. Are you kidding me? Is this a joke? She goes on. If this was a rich person's disease, we would have seen a very different response. We would not have the high rates of infections and death, said UTLA president, the teachers union president, uh, Cicely Meyer Cruz on Monday. She added that the impetus to reopen schools is being driven by white, wealthy parents. Holy Moses. Wait, the second part of this gets good. Is this person kidding me? I'm not teaching your kids. We will take your money for teaching your kids, despite not teaching your kids. We want $2 billion in funding. We want to move to the head of the line on vaccinations. You gave us all that, and we're still not teaching your kids because you're like racist-y or something. The Wall Street Journal adds this little paragraph at the end of that that's kind of weird, Joe. It says, uh, no. Wealthy white parents are sending their children to private schools that opened last fall, or they're just paying for tutoring. Or they live in Tony suburbs where schools are already open. It's actually the black and Hispanic kids in many cases that are suffering. But don't tell uh, Cicely Meyer Cruz that. She says you're racisty or something like that. Listen, thank you to the teachers out there that do good work and really give a damn. To the teachers union reps who are doing this, you're, dis you're disgraceful. Disgra embarrassing, disgraceful people. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. You have no, not only have you, you have no moral high ground, we're at the point now where you've reached the lowest of the low, the targeting of minority, poor families, wiping their kids' education out in one fell swoop. 
and then calling them racist for wanting their kids educated. It's just disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful, disgusting. I can't think of enough adjectives, adverbs, or modifiers to describe how disgusting what you're doing is. You won't teach the kids, then give the parents their tax dollars back to find someone who will. Dad, but you say you live from the comfort of your own home. No jerkwads. I just went through lymphoma like I had no immune system for a while and had to travel back and forth to a cancer clinic in Texas while had a compromised immune system to go work with people who are working around people with compromised immune system who were all working, including me, from the hotel room, which was not a sterile bubble. So take your criticism, ram it up your caboose. All right, I'm going to leave you on a good note, I promised. So folks, that story we opened up with about the dangers of trying to copy communist China's tactics, but using big business to do it, the dangers are obvious if you care for that kind of stuff. Facts, I showed you the headlines. Well, Imprimus has a great, great speech by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I, I mean, one of the great thinkers, he's now passed, but of our time, his speeches were amazing. It's going to be in the show notes again. If you'd like to read the whole thing, it's worth your time. It's called Words of Warning to America. Solzhenitsyn, who suffered under the Iron Curtain of Communism, he always had sage words. There are two quick quotes here, but the first one, he talks about the dangers of calling in wolves to rescue you from the dogs. Now, when I'm reading this quote, I want you to keep in the back of your head If you're a liberal, if you're a conservative, you'll probably get it right away because you're smart. If you're a liberal, you won't. But if you're a liberal calling in the big tech dogs to battle your conservative political opponents to do the work for you, please cancel them for me. Take them off Twitter. Take their books down. Be careful calling in a wolf like big tech to rescue you from the dogs. Solzhenitsyn said this in his speech. He said, quote, we have a Russian proverb. Do not call a wolf to help you against the dogs. If dogs are attacking and tearing at you, fight against the dogs, but do not call a wolf for help. Because when the wolves come, they will destroy the dogs, but they will also tear you apart. If you're a useful idiot out there who thinks calling in the big tech wolves to do the dirty work you can't yourself, remember, after they're done with the dogs, they tear you up next. No, 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 not me. I'm protected. I'm a liberal. You sure about that? Famous, famous last words. Here's a powerful quote I want to end with, where Solzhenitsyn was talking about the dissidents in the USSR, the patriots, the people who fought for freedom despite being tortured, killed, imprisoned, murdered, starved to death, their families wiped out after decades of living under tyranny. And I say this at the end of the show because I get emails a lot. I've told you about this often. And they're very upsetting from people who say to me, Dan, we lost the election. I'm done. And I say to you all the time, like I said in my CPAC speech, no, no, there's no done. There's no excuses. I'm sorry. There's no done. If you're looking for me to sympathize with you, you got the wrong guy in the wrong show. There is no done. People who've suffered far worse, torture, death, starvation, their families wiped out and suffered for far longer, never gave up their fight. Here's Solzhenitsyn on the dissidents. And remember, true dissidents never, ever, ever have a safe space. Ever. Quote Solzhenitsyn. We, the dissidents of the USSR, don't have any tanks. We don't have any weapons. We have no organization. We don't have anything. Our hands are empty. We have only a heart and what we've lived through in the half century of this system. And when we found the firmness within ourselves to stand up for our rights, we have done so. It's only by firmness of spirit that we've withstood. And if I'm standing here before you, it's not because of the kindness or the goodwill of communism, not thanks to detente, but thanks to my own firmness and your firm support. They knew that I would not yield one inch, not one hair. And when they couldn't do more, They themselves fell back. Powerful. Centuries of tyranny these people had to deal with. They stood firm 
They didn't yield, quote, not one inch, not one hair. And when their opponents couldn't do more, they themselves fell back. Keep that in mind when you're thinking about giving up here. We don't give up. There's no timeouts. There's no pause button. There's no yield sign. There's only straight ahead. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in. Um, another great week of shows. Thanks to you. I really appreciate your continued loyalty to the show. If you wouldn't mind sharing it, I really appreciate getting the word out there. We don't do a lot of marketing. The show spreads by word of mouth. Thanks to you. And um, I really deeply appreciate that. You can subscribe to our video show free. I'd appreciate if you do it. Rumble.com. Rumble.com slash Bongino. Thanks again. I'll see you on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.